This is LaQuest, a podcast from California's Assembly Democrats. Hi, everybody. Another year's gone by. It's time for a new Look West episode focusing on the new laws written by your state assembly Democrats coming to California in 2022. I'm Don Andrews with Look West, and with me is producer Shoshana Levy. Hi, Shoshana. Hi, pleasure to be here. Assembly Democrats wrote a bunch of new legislation that impacts many aspects of our lives here in California. What are some of the highlights? Some of those highlights include legislation that will help improve consumer protection as well as workers' rights when it comes to both fair wages and employer accountability. We will also hear about budget items that seek to improve affordable housing as well as legislation that will expand family leave and protect sexual assault and harassment victims. We also got a chance to talk to people about the criminal justice system and some reforms that are coming to us in 2022. What can you tell us about that? Sure, we had a chance to go out on the street and talk to ordinary folks, just like you and me, about their thoughts on not just criminal justice reforms, but all the new laws coming to you in 2022 in general. But before we hear about that, we're going to speak to Assemblymember Reggie Jones-Sawyer, who led the charge on improving criminal justice in California. He chatted with us via Zoom about his legislation and the need for those reforms. Uh, Mr. Jones-Sawyer, pleasure to meet you. Good to meet you. We just have a few questions for you about criminal justice reforms in California. So we just wanted to start with some background. Uh, what made you passionate about criminal justice reform and specifically if you have any personal experiences? Uh, I'll be real honest with you. When, when I ran for office, uh, criminal justice reform was not my priority. Uh, I was director of real estate. It was about um, economic development, um, getting people into homes, um, uh, trying to close the wage and economic gap. And when I got here, uh, then speaker uh, decided I should be on public safety. And once I got there, um, not only did I understand how urgent it was, uh, you started to see more and more graphically, more and more um, African-Americans being abused or killed at the hands of law enforcement. And then we started to see with the use of DNA and other um, technologies that people of color were being sent to prison in larger numbers. But what really got me was uh, uh, then assembly members, Nancy Skinner uh, had a bill on cannabis, which I became a big advocate for cannabis. I'm one of the five founding fathers of cannabis, uh, helping to write the laws for it, especially medical marijuana. She said in San Francisco, the 60% of the people who are, are sent to jail for cannabis were African-American but we're only 6% of the population in San Francisco. Wow. It was like, oh my God. That means people of color, color are disproportionately affected by law enforcement, by the criminal justice system, and by the, the prison system. And I, it, not, maybe not by my choice, but by maybe a higher calling has said, you need to be in this space. And you need to put your full energy uh, to ensure that we can turn this around so that we, this could be a justice system for, for, for all of us. Wow, that, that's an amazing story. Um, I think that's so true. Just getting into policy and then realizing 
the scope of the problems that you're working on and how intense they can be. Uh, thank you for that. Um, and so kind of leading, uh, leading from what you just said, what would you say is the sort of big picture need for reforms in the criminal justice system in California, specifically as related to people of color? Uh, I think right now, uh, because we've tried the, the experiment of being tough on crime, and we've gone decades with that, and we've, we learned that there, there were some aspects of it that, that worked, and there were a lot of it that did not work. Um, and then we were now in this uh, criminal justice reform segment where we're, we're, we're trying to make sure that we have a longer, more, I call it like a chess move, which is a longer game. Checkers is a quick game. Chess is a longer game. And that means you got to get to mental health. You got to get into education. You've got to get into um, abuses that are in the home. Uh, you got to find out people getting the jobs, making sure you know that they, they're qualified for these jobs so that we can steer them away from criminality. And that's much more intensive. We won't even get into the homeless problem. I mean, which is even more complex. If you think of the homeless problem and the crime problem, um, the reason they're the same is because they're complex and, and the complexity in which you need to solve them is so immense that a lot of people don't want to tackle it. We now got to come together with both law enforcement, criminal justice advocates to come together to come up with the best procedures, the best methodology on how we reduce crime. We can no longer be at opposite ends of one another. This is the time. If we're, this, is, this would be a great year that we actually come together and solve these in, in a comprehensive way where we look long range, we stop the school to prison pipeline permanently, and we, we start moving toward uh, a more compassionate way. We deal with people who, because of, because of conditions, no, not things that they had control over, but conditions that they were foisted on them, that they're now in uh, criminality and that we can get them out of it with whatever we need to do to, to, to stop it permanently. And I, I think at the end of the day, we need to start talking about permanent solutions um, to criminal justice. And speaking of that, can you talk to us a little bit about your um, bills and now law, um, AB 89 and 750 that you authored this year? Uh, the, the one that I'm really, really happy about, but um, the one that I think had the most promise is the Peace Act, um, where we're looking at both the educational requirements for entry-level police officers and, and the age requirements, where we, we, where we know that um, giving a young person, an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, a 20-year-old, a gun and a badge and a license to kill, and as uh, most women will tell you, most men don't mature until they're 30, much less 18. <laughs> So, so why would you give an 18-year-old a gun and a badge and a license to kill? Um, they're, they're, they're our, and I'll just say not they, because I'm a male. Our mature, we're not at a mature level to be able to handle that ultimate responsibility. In addition, um, education-wise, um, you have to make split decisions on people's criminality. Because when you arrest someone, you have to be absolutely sure that the laws that we create that you now have to enforce has to be done in an equitable way. And if you're not educated 
enough to be able to handle that awesome responsibility because these are some complex laws um, and, and we need our best and the brightest to be able to adjudicate that um, at the local level, one-on-one uh, -on -one with individuals. And so we're, we're, we're gonna move the age requirement to 21. And we're gonna have, we're gonna, we're gonna take this whole year to really set up uh, a system where uh, we can um, reevaluate how we train our officers, uh, whether it's uh, ethnic studies, whether it's psychology, mental health, sociology, uh, critical race theory, so that when they hit the street, um, they, uh, police officers, law enforcement officers are armed with every tool in the toolbox to be able to ev handle every situation that is now in 21st policing. It's much different than it was in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, 80s, where we're, we're a much different society. In fact, um, the technology we have alone with cell phones, just the cell phone aspect of policing uh, has been one of those things where um, it's probably totally changed the way people look at policing and way police officers look at their job nowadays. And so that, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's very important uh, that we, we train them. And, uh, and, and the, the other stuff, it, it's really about making um, policing police officers accountable, uh, making sure that um, uh, if they make a mistake or if they do something uh, as criminal or if they don't produce the paperwork that affects people's lives, that it is actually true. And, and that when they go to court, it's based on fact and not something that um, is made up. And so as we, as we move forward, we're hoping that, um, um, and I know the good police want this. They want this so bad. Um, you, you don't know how many times I've had police officers come to me and, and, and thank me for at least trying to, to get the bad apples. And what we're trying to do is get to the root of the tree. Instead of messing with the bad apples that have fallen off the tree, we get to the root and we make a good tree. We'll never have any bad apples fall. And so that's what we're really trying to do right now. Absolutely. That's a great way of putting it. Um, as they say, we, we can't afford a single bad apple in something like the criminal justice enforcement system. Um, and thinking about sort of that holistic picture when it comes to criminal justice, a, um, another bill that was authored in 2020 will become law that uh, will seek to diversify the jury selection process. Do you think that that will help improve things in California, especially for people of color? A lot of what happens in the criminal justice system, especially when you get to uh, judge and juries and adjudication of matters, um, it matters who's on the, on the jury. Uh, if you look at what has just recently happened with uh, the Rittenhouse, and then you look at the, the George Floyd, and you look at some of the other when you look at an all-white jury that basically lets off uh, an individual who is armed and kills someone um, in a Black Lives Matter protest, and that person gets off. And then when you look at the George Floyd jury and you look at the other juries that was a little more reflective of the community at large, even though they just have one person on, of color has seems to make a dramatic difference, especially to people of color. And so 
I think is is good for the for the country, as it is good for California, that we make sure that the jury system is reflective of who is in this state right now. And I think you'll just get better outcomes. But and again, I'll repeat this again: the public, when they look at the outcome, whether they agree or disagree, hopefully they'll say at some point at least it was fair. You want people to believe that whatever the outcome, whether you agree with it or not, that it was fair. And we've got to get back to that. Absolutely. The only way to have a justice system that is really holds the integrity of a democracy is for the, democ the people to view it as fair. So that, that's a great point. Um, and as we're heading off here, just one last question for you. What um, are you pursuing in the future in this area and, and or what reforms in general do you think we need to make in the next couple of years or so? Uh, it, it's not necessarily, what I'm looking at and probably is not necessarily in the public safety area. And I, and, and I say that because I don't want to criminalize homelessness. Homelessness will be the number one issue for every politician, not only in California, but probably for the nation. And until we, we tackle it, because if you talk to the average Californian, they would say homelessness is a public safety crisis when it is a public health crisis or is a public safety slash public health crisis. And we need to treat it that way because in, in from, from a um, spiritual standpoint, it's unconscionable that we let people just languish out on the street um, begging for food um, with no shelter um, and begging for, and just living in on the street in the government, li living in a tent. Um, we should be ashamed of ourselves as a state. And, and uh, we should make this a, a public safety slash public health crisis. And I want to push that up to the number one alarm for the state and then come up with long-term plans on how to get this resolved. But most important, uh, what the public is asking, they want some immediate action, some immediate uh, solutions to immediately get these individuals off the street and into some type of shelter with wraparound services and so that we actually take care of them. Uh, I think the public's patience is worn down. And uh, if we don't handle this, we elected officials won't be around. So this has got to be uh, the number one issue next year. Thank you to Assemblymember Joan Sawyer for your passion for criminal justice reform and the need to get to the root of the problem. We also went to the streets on a brisk Sacramento morning to talk to folks and hear their thoughts on criminal justice reform, especially the reforms to the jury selection process. What do you think about and what do you know about um, reforms coming to the criminal justice system, specifically changes to the jury selection process? Well, uh, when it comes to juries, you should be represented by a jury of your peers. And I think we've seen over time that this just doesn't happen. And so it's good to see that we've introduced laws to make the jury selection process more fair. And so people aren't getting striked out of the jury based on their race or, um, or other factors like that and make a more diverse and a more fair uh, process overall. 
What do you think about new laws that are going to affect uh, police reform and the jury selection process? Well, I think the police reform stuff is kind of interesting. I mean, it took, a, my understanding is it took a couple of years or longer to finally reach agreement with both the public safety organizations and key legislators. But I think um, some of those reforms are gonna go a long way to instill trust with the residents mm -hmm. and hopefully, you know, get some more public safety folks in support of it because I think at the end of the day, if there's a more receptive community to public safety, it'll benefit the, the police in general. But I think being able to, you know, prevent a police officer who was fired or asked to resign from one jurisdiction from getting hired in another jurisdiction, mm -hmm. I think that's a huge, huge benefit. We were also able to speak to folks about their thoughts on the huge amount of funding in this year's budget dedicated to solving the housing crisis, which is one of the most troubling issues in California. Just for next year, billions have been invested in both uh, housing the homeless and mental health and behavioral programs that will make it so that they can't be turned away from the program. Well, both are important. I mean, there have been really successful programs, not here, not just here in California, but in places like Texas where providing housing, right, and connecting that to wraparound services can be the solution. I think anything we can do as a state to reduce homelessness is, to, is, is fantastic. I think it's a good direction to go rather than, I mean, if it's, if it's, if it's spent wisely and really looked at mm -hmm. um, to what's gonna be the most effective. Um, I think one of the most pressing issues is homelessness in California. And I think the California legislature is actually doing a really good job, at least in trying to begin solving it. And this is uh, because they've been allocating a lot of the budget to try and give shelter to homeless people. And one of the programs that I especially admire uh, is just the fact that they are trying to give uh, rehabilitation to homeless people with mental health issues, PTSD, and so on. And that's something that I think is a very good cause. On all of those things, I'm more familiar that like what the governor and the legislature invested through the state budget, which was pretty amazing, mm -hmm. using the federal dollars to house homeless people um, in you know hotel rooms and turn those into hopefully permanent or transitional permanent housing. Mm -hmm. So that was all great stuff. While we were asking about new laws that protect sexual assault victims, we met one woman who was very well informed about the new anti-stealthing law authored by Assemblymember Christina Garcia. All right, so I think this is an area in California and in all the U.S. really that really needs a lot of work done because victims often feel that they are not being heard. Uh, there was recently a new law passed um, making, making the removal of con without the other partner's knowledge illegal, which I think is definitely a step forward uh, in California legislation and for the U.S. Uh, an important <laughs> uh, part of this is just the fact that this opens the doors for the rest of the states in the U.S. to hopefully pass on uh, legislation that mirrors this, making uh, stealthing illegal, hopefully eventually in all of the U United States. And I think that basically this law is really important because it actually gives victims validity. And this is something that is often lacking, especially since the act usually 
commences with consensual sex and people feel like they are being slut shamed or feel that they cannot be taken seriously because technically it started consensual. And I think that just having a law that recognizes the legality of it gives victims the right uh, just basically to be able to do something about what happened to them, being able to acknowledge the fact that it was not their fault and being able to actually punish the aggressor through suing. We finished up by speaking to folks about their thoughts on the new paid family leave expansions, a part of Assemblymember Rebecca Bauer Cahan's legislation. And we heard from a new mother who would particularly benefit from this extra assistance. I feel like anyone who is like in the main like immediate family should be able to have the right to take family leave. You know, like it mm -hmm. really isn't just the parents who take care of the child. Yeah, regardless yeah. if they're in-laws. Yeah, regardless of their in-laws. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm not I'm not terribly familiar with that one, but from what I've heard of it, um, I think that it's fantastic. So extending family leave to in-laws again, like I said, it takes a village and lots of times the, the family leave extended to the, the parents themselves don't quite extend long enough or you need a little bit extra help. So fully supportive of uh, folks who need that being able to take advantage. Do you know of anything about this or thoughts on uh, laws that help expand California family leave? What's the, what's the new one that just passed? That, so, I've never heard of that one yet. Yes, so this law would extend family leave to in-laws if you need to care for an in-law. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. hmm. I think that one helps, you know, just in case if someone has, uh, you know, a mother-in-law who's sick mm -hmm. and uh, you need time to take care of her uh, or, you know, father or any other in-laws. Mm -hmm. uh, I like it, yeah. Well, I don't think people should have to choose between going to work and taking care of a loved one. So I'm glad to hear uh, California has expanded uh, the amount of workers who are eligible for paid family leave. Uh, personally, my brother just had a baby this year and um, I got to see how important it was for him to be at home with his, his baby and his wife and uh, have a newfound uh, respect for paid family leave. And I'm, I think it should be expanded to everyone. So I'm glad to see that millions of more Californians are eligible uh, to use that extreme, extremely great uh, resource this year. These aren't all of the laws that will be coming in 2022. Look West will be discussing those and upcoming legislation throughout the year. Well, thanks Shoshana and thanks to Assemblymember Joan Sawyer and Gonzalez and all those people we stopped on the street for being part of this episode. Plus a very special thank you here at the end of the year for all the hard work from the Look West pod squad. None of these episodes would be there for you to listen to without our producers, our audio techs, marketing crew and web team. Lastly, Thanks to you, the Look West listeners. We appreciate you, and we hope you have a great 2022. I'm Don Andrews with Shoshana Levy. Thanks for listening to Look West. This is Look West, a podcast from California's Assembly Democrats.